Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Marketers. With the end of the third-party cookie fast approaching, it's important to assess what you know about the new solutions being developed. In the latest Institute for Brand Marketing course, Marketing in a Cookieless World, learn how this industry change may impact your business and how advanced technologies like AI can serve as an alternative to cookies. Designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek, this complimentary course offers lessons that take approximately 10 minutes each to complete. Get started today. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor at Adweek. And with me this week, we've got our uh, top agencies editors, uh, Doug Zanger, uh, agencies editor. Uh, great to have you back, Doug. Thank you, David. And we've got Minda Smiley, deputy agencies editor. Minda, always great to have you on the show. Thank you. And we've got a big topic. One of our, uh, some might argue, the biggest agencies topic of the year. Agencies of the Year, <laughs> our uh, mm-hmm. Adweek's list of the Agencies of the Year. These are creative, full-service agencies. Uh, just to give you some quick context, we break this down into four categories. So those are the four we'll be talking about today. Uh, those are our U.S. Agency of the Year, our Global Agency of the Year, uh, Breakthrough Agency of the Year, obviously the one that uh, really got a lot of uh, unprecedented attention for itself this year. And then we've got uh, the International Agency of the Year. And by international, we mean, uh, you know, it's it's probably in one country or in one city, not so much like a big global network. Uh, and so we're just, uh, yeah, we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, because it, for, first, I guess, before we start talking about these specific shops, I feel like, Minda, it is fair to say this was a weird year for Agency of the Year. Yeah, it was uh, It was <laughs> compared to last year, which was my first time sort of sort of judging. And then this year it was it was like night and day. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean, normally uh, normally that we look at everyone's finances. Uh, so so just, you know, for those curious, this is not like uh, you pay to enter and whatever. No, I mean, it's just ad weeks, editors look at the agencies that have really kind of set the bar in a few different ways over the course of the year. And then we ask a bunch of those agencies to send us their financials and their strategic moves, you know, all their hiring and any new offices they've opened, uh, their their work, their awards. It's a really three-dimensional kind of uh, look that we take. It takes quite a long time to go through all that. And uh, this year, you know, no, normally – it's like, oh, okay, that this one did a little better financially than this one, but their work wasn't as good. Uh, in the end, it usually comes down to their reel of all the work that they did. 
um, how they, you know, their new business wins. Man, this year we've been joking for months kind of darkly that this would be the Hunger Games year of Agency of the Year. And it really was. It was like who suffered the least and who mm. adapted to adversity, I guess is the polite way to put it. But like who, you know, who made it through this really incredibly difficult year and actually thrived. And Doug, I, I feel like in almost in, in the two main categories, U.S. and global, almost no one actually made money this year, right? No, no. It, it was <clears throat> if you were if you were flat, you were winning. And it's yeah, I mean, it was just it's it's been hard to it's been hard to watch this, quite frankly. It's been it's been really hard to watch agencies struggle um, with this because it's it's impacted so many things and probably most prominently talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you were if you were staying flat, you were doing well. Now that's the bad news. The good news is it looks like there are some some green shoots that indicate that 2021 you know might be a, a much a much better year depending on a few things. Um, but I, I think that people are cautiously optimistic going in. But to your point, David, I, I think this is my third. I think it's my third. And not to say that there's always a runaway winner. There's always really spirited debate. But this one. This this one went back and forth and back and forth. Those two categories really went back and forth um, a lot. And you could argue for a couple of agencies in each of those categories. And it, it was tough. This was really, really hard to pick. Well, we have made everybody wait long enough. Uh, Minda, let's get it started. Tell us who was the U.S. Agency of the Year. U.S. Agency of the Year is the Martin Agency in Richmond, Virginia. The Martin Agency. This is not their first win, but it is their first win in quite a while. Uh, they were last our U.S. Agency of the Year in 2009 when they had a pretty stellar run of new business wins and, of course, some big signature creative uh, for Geico, their longtime client. And this year, very different. Uh, they certainly had some uh, some big wins. Uh, they certainly had some big work, but this was not a year of like, look at all these amazing Geico ads. Look at these gigantic wins. It was just like they, well, I mean, so tell us, I, I think the story about Martin, um, it's obviously a rebuilding story, uh, but also just financially, they had such a killer year. Let's start there, Minda. Tell us a little about, you wrote the story about the USHC of the year. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Martin's just financial success this year is, is kind of uh, un, uh, there is no parallel for that in, of any other agency we looked at. Sure. Yeah. We mentioned that in the story. Um, they had double digit growth. They had 30% revenue growth this year, which um, really stood out to us. I mean, kind of like you were saying before, usually it's kind of just, usually all of our contenders all show growth. Um, that was not the case this year. So the fact that Martin was able to to show that and show um, a good amount of new business wins was was pretty impressive and um, definitely played a big part in why, in why they won this year. Now, remind us about uh, Martin Agency has gone through quite a bit of turmoil in the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they had some very high-profile leadership uh, <laughs> ousters and departures. Um, so just kind of catch us up quickly on their their leadership and, and how that also changed this year with the new CCO. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think anyone who's been in the industry the past few years probably remembers when their chief creative officer, Joe Alexander, was ousted, um, you know, sexual harassment scandal – 
And um, they've been rebuilding for the past few years. And I think over the past few years, we've kind of seen them win some new clients, win some new momentum. I know Buffalo Wild Wings was a, a, a big one they had maybe two two years ago and they've had stuff like that happen and I think this year that um that you know even even in the face of all the, the problems and and hardships that came for agencies this year they still managed to um kind of still continue to win they won X this year and, and a few other clients and they even I think you know I mentioned this in my story as well they um they won Old Navy at the beginning of this year. And I mean, I think like literally weeks after they won Old Navy, uh, the, the retail chain had to shut all of their stores down because of because of COVID-19. And um, they kind of just ran with it and were able to pitch ideas for them. And and um, I interviewed their chief marketing officer for the story. And she basically said like, yeah, they, they're the best kind of partner we could have had this year. They've just been able to roll with the punches. And and um, so, yeah, that that's, that's part of the reason why why they have why they were chosen this year is just because of um, an adaptability, I guess, that um, they were really able to to show. And then, and then, like you mentioned, they did have some creative changes this year in terms of leadership. Um, Danny Robinson was named chief creative officer, um, he, and he's one of few black chief creative officers in the industry. And um, he's been with Martin for quite some time. I think probably around 15, 20 years. I forget exactly how long, but. Um, yeah, they just they've kind of had a, a, a rough couple of years, but also a, a lot of growth at the same time, and um, and clearly were able to show a lot of resiliency this year. Yeah, and, and Doug, I feel like uh, Martin's also a great example of agencies that got an earlier start on diversity and prioritizing diversity. <laughs> I say earlier, mm-hmm. like two years ago, but you know, it's. Um, right. Compared to the agencies that just this spring, uh, under intensive right. pressure, realized that maybe diversity would be a good idea, especially in leadership. You know, this is an agency with a very diverse leadership, uh, both in terms of gender balance and racial diversity. Uh, I believe something like 50% of their new hires this year um, were minority uh, identifying. And, uh, and you know, one of the things that really strikes me is they lost Karen Costello, their CCO, uh, who just due to right, some right. personal reasons had to relocate. I don't think – I think it was a very amicable uh, parting. Yeah. But they're able to replace one of the best known women in, you know, one of the most prominent women in creative uh, with one of the, the most, uh, you know, prominent and respected black men in, in creative. You know, that just goes to show a lot of agencies would be lucky to have – you know, either of those, much less the ability to replace one with the other so seamlessly. So what's your take on kind of Martin's commitment to diversity and how that was reflected this year? I think that the Martin agency understands that diversity, equality, and inclusion can be a very significant driver of business. I mean, we can go back and forth on this and there's continually, continually evolving research that diverse teams are more profitable. And you see that in brands, you see that in agencies. And I think that they're demonstrating this. And the other side of this, I was just having a conversation with, with somebody about this recently that, <clears throat> excuse me, there, there are a lot of brands that have these proclamations of, we want your agencies to be diverse, but I'm not really sure many of these brands have followed through. I mean, what really, if, if you're not diverse, like what is, what's the penalty for not being diverse? Do you lose the business? And that's a conversation for a different time, but I think with the Martin agency, they've recognized that by being diverse and being focused on that, that that's a driver of business. And I think the other thing too is Richmond and my brother had gone to college there. I lived down there for a little while. 
it is a it is a diverse town. It is very much a diverse city, and it's reflective a bit more of of the city. And I think you, you'll you'll see agencies that start identifying that will become more and more successful. And it's not this huge ray of light and explosion. It's progressing over time and then looking up one day and realizing, wow, we grew by 30%. And you can, you know, you can point to any number of reasons why that could be, whether that's operations, whether that's the work, whether that's good luck. But there is a, the, the, one of the bigger reasons is that if you have a diverse crew, you're going to get better work. Brands are going to be drawn to that and they're going to want to be part of that. Now, I, I feel like we have to talk about the work. Of course, this was, as the creative editor, I maybe am most sensitive to the fact that this was not a year for really defining creative work. There certainly was some. Um, you know, at risk of giving some spoilers here, I want to say that the, the agencies behind the biggest work of the year are not reflected here in the agency of the year because they did not necessarily have very good financial years. Uh, this represents the first year, again, spoiling who our global agency is not. Um, it, Widening Kennedy is not in any of our categories this year. This is an agency that had a three-year, I think, a pretty much unprecedented three-year stretch of agency of the year. They were our U.S. agency for the last two years. They were the global agency of the year before that. And they continued to do some pretty incredible work this year, uh, but just financially, they weren't there. They they went through some pretty important restructuring uh, that I think will position wide and well for next year. Uh, but, you you know, you also saw Ogilvy, uh, which was behind the Moldy Whopper. They owned the David uh, ad network that created that alongside Ingo, which Ogilvy also partly owns. And, you know, did some other big work. They 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 did not have a great year uh, financially uh, or in terms of business growth, and so yeah, it was just uh, that said. You know, uh, Geico had a, I mean I mean uh, Geico, Martin had a good good year. Some you know I liked the cloggers and the ant. Uh, I love I love it. The the this ant ad company. For, uh, I loved it. I mean it's fine. They were fine. Uh, I don't think anyone's gonna. It's they did not have an out of the park home run uh, for Geico like they have had in previous years with uh, you know whether it's Hump Day or um, you know their their work goes back a long ways. Uh, I liked the boneless thugs in harmony thing they did for um, for Buffalo Wild Wings. I really liked and I think it got underappreciated this year. The open for delivery. Uh, campaign mm-hmm. uh, that they did for DoorDash, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one where, you know, kind of, we saw this a little later, but they were one of the earlier ones where they got it out there and it started being embraced by their competitors. It started getting embraced. And, you know, it became this really wholesome, hey, we're all in this together kind of a vibe. And um, yeah, and that one was, I mean, that that's part of the story too, is, I mean, they, they produced that. I think it was like six days. It was, it was a really, really fast turnaround. Wow. Yeah. And so a lot of very solid, but no, you know, no triple A kind of just absolutely destroy it kind of work. You're going to see that same in our global agency of the year. Um, And that's okay. You know, it it hurts me on some level to award agencies of the year that did not have this absolute Grand Slam um, creative. But I think this was not a year for Grand Slam creative. (laughs) This was a year Mm -mm. for keeping your employees employed. Um, keeping your clients uh, afloat, helping them adapt, um, and for reflecting the very urgent conversation around diversity uh, in the industry 
Uh, so for all those purposes, we have named uh, the Martin HCR US HC of the Year. Uh, definitely check out Minda's article uh, about that on adweek.com. Learn all about Martin Agency and uh, learn about their wins and some of the stats behind their growth. But yeah, 30% growth in a year like this. Real hats off to them. Uh, and congratulations uh, to Martin. That That is, correct me if I'm wrong, they are owned by IPG. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, interesting. A name that we will maybe hear again in a moment. Speaking of which, Doug, it's time to talk about the Global Agency of the Year. <laughs> Look at you, Mr. Segway. Yes. So, uh, Doug, tell us, who is Adweek's Global Agency of the Year for 2020? FCB. FCB. Uh, fun fact, has never won Global Agency of the Year. Uh, this is an honor that's, uh, honestly, I forget how old Global Agency of the Year. It's been around a while. They were our... Uh, U.S. Agency of the Year, back when they were foot, cone, and belding. Um, they were our Agency of the Year, U.S. Agency of the Year in oof, 1989? Um, it's been a while. It's been a long while. <laughs> so this is their first global honor. Uh, Doug, tell us what put FCB over the top this year. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of things. Like you had mentioned with the Martin Agency, you've, you've got a lot of growth. Um, what was interesting is seeing some really interesting work coming out of coming out of their regions in Brazil and you see uh, FCB6 has always been a, a really strong agency in the network up in Canada um, and then seeing some there was some really great work that, that came out of uh, FCB in India um, they had some really big big wins they had some key wins axe was was a key win uh, Mike's hard lemonade uh, BMW for FCB6 uh, and that's for the North America market so there were a lot of big wins. Uh, but I, I also think the revenue piece of it, they were they were solid there as well. They had made some good strategic moves. But one thing that I was very fortunate to cover is what they've done for quite a long time, I have to say too. It's It's been a little bit under the radar about how the agency globally is working to create this inclusive anti-racist culture. And this goes deep. I'm, they're putting in a ton of work and they have put in a ton of work. And I think that we all can agree that lofty, lofty proclamations are one thing, but actual progress is, is quite another. And back in October, I had a chance to chat with some of the leadership uh, at the company, uh, Cindy Augustine, FCB's global chief talent officer, Vita Harris, chief strategy officer, uh, and a few other people as well. And it's, you know, they're really putting in the work. So I think that they're very well deserving on balance because they're putting in a lot of work in a lot of areas and they're, they're an ascendant agency. I think it's one of these agencies that we, you know, we hear from every so often. I think it was last year with, with Wobber Detour that I think that agencies year after year tend to have a signature piece of work or two. And for FCB, uh, Whopper, it was Whopper turnaround, right? Is that what it was? Uh, Whopper Detour. Sorry, Whopper Detour. I I can't keep track of my Burger King anything anymore. Um, But Whopper Detour, that was, you know, that was their, using air quotes here, fearless girl. And I think that as we alluded to with the Martin Agency and with all of the agencies that that were honored this year, it was about consistency. It wasn't about the the big shining hit. It was about being consistent and being good. Yeah, and, and I think FCB is one of those where they certainly had losses. You know, they certainly uh, had 
it's not like they were immune to financial pressure and having to make cuts, uh, but they, they were really helped along by growth in a few areas. You mentioned FCB6. North America was huge for them. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, their their New York office is really thriving. FCB has been known, I think, for a long time for its Chicago office. Uh, their New York right. office really accounted for a lot of that growth. Uh, Brazil was really huge for them this year. Uh, but FCB Health, uh, which is really one of the, yeah, you know, every every major global network these days has a health operation. Uh, but I'd say FCB Health is, is right up there, you know, with McCann Health, with some of these others as really a, a kind of, I, you know, I don't know how you say, I, I wouldn't know who's first in class in that category. I'm not an expert on health marketing, but I would say that they're very well known, very well respected. Um, and to me, yeah, this was the culmination of, God, was it five, six years ago when they hired Susan Cradle uh, to run the creative for FCB. And at the time, you know, that was a coup of hiring for them to get Susan Cradle, like one of the most respected, admired creative leaders in the world. And then we kind of all waited, you know, um, to see what would happen. And it took a few years, you know, and to Susan's credit, I really think she and leadership were really patient about building something and keeping it going. Uh, They didn't have that kind of overnight turnaround that I think a lot of people were like, you know, expecting to see, which was probably a little unfair. Um, And then uh, and then last year, yeah, before everything kind of went to hell in 2020, FCB with Whopper Detour finally had a big creative home run. It won just everything at can yep. you know it's like we, we we've kind of half joked about this i mean not not to imply i'm making fun of them but you know fcb has a big party each year on it on their yacht at can and most years it's pretty quiet you know it's a nice little way to, to catch up with them this year it was uh, i mean it was like the event of the week i mean not this year 2019 it was like the event right. of can like everybody wanted onto the fcb yacht and part of me is just like you know good for them like they've been, they they've they've really kind of put in the work to get here, but I, I still think that was just kind of their their launching point, and then this year was the year that they really got tested, uh, and still grew at a at a pace of about ten percent, sixteen percent in in North America, and that's huge. I mean, in a year where like almost no other networks uh, even turned a profit, uh, it was right. it was pretty fantastic. So, congrats to FCB. Um, work-wise, there's quite a bit you can check out on um, on adweek.com. But I have to say, my my absolute favorite is the uh, was it called the punishment the punishment light the punishing signal the punishing, punishing signal, signal from <laughs> for the Mumbai police. Yeah, this is so such a, good. Such a, I, I so want them to good. implement this everywhere. This is a yes. You know, it was about how uh, in Mumbai the drivers will honk no matter what. They just honk even if like even if people are moving. It just doesn't matter. Even if the light's red. So the whole point was the police were getting fed up with the fact that when the light is red, people still honk as if you can go. You know, as if there's anywhere to go, and. Um, because, of course, in New York, like the millisecond it turns green, everyone starts honking. But at least we wait till it's green. <laughs> yeah. And so they mm-hmm. put up this thing that when it detects a lot of honking, the, the red light gets gets longer. <laughs> and it announces that, <laughs> that you, now, you now have to sit longer. It's like it's like they're like second graders or something in a, in a lunchroom. <laughs> so funny. So, it's so uh, good. Though. It's so smart. And just I love that it's uh, for a police department. So weird. But it was just it was just nice to have something like that to look at. Also, I th- I feel like we should point out because this was very quietly accomplished. They won the Walmart brand, uh, the Walmart yep. brand account. Uh, they did the lean on me spot that a lot of people saw. But honestly, just winning that, I, I assume they took some of that work from publicists that's done a lot of uh, Walmart work in the last few years. 
but yeah, Walmart to like quietly win one of the biggest brands on earth um, in a year like this, pretty pretty good. So congratulations uh, to FCB. Uh, check out our coverage of that on um, uh, from by Eric Oster, uh, our colleague on Adweek.com. Whew. Okay, that's two two down, two more to go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about our Breakthrough Agency of the Year and our International Agency of the Year, both of which are super fun. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. With the end of the third-party cookie fast approaching, it's time to assess how your business may be affected and explore new methods for targeting advertising and media measurement. Take the first step with the Institute for Brand Marketing, designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek. Our latest complimentary course, Marketing in a Cookieless World, is made up of four short lessons designed to help you navigate a changing world. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. All right, we're back and we're ready to talk uh, breakthrough. Uh, first, let me explain what Breakthrough even is. This is only, eh, maybe it's in like its fourth year, but this is the category where we represent agencies that are not necessarily brand new or anything, but are just really broke through uh, in a way that sometimes is hard to pin down. Uh, you know, we've had agencies um, like uh, Heat, I think, was our very first winner. Um, and, you know, these are these are shops that just had such a, a killer year. Venables Bell won when they were 10 years old, but that was the year that they really kind of cut through and just did this incredible work that put them on the global map. And so uh, this year, Minda, do you want to tell us who the uh, Breakthrough Agency of the Year is? Sure. This year it was High Dive. They are a Chicago shop, uh, pretty new, founded four years ago, and they're probably best known because they they created Jeep and Rocket Mortgage's Super Bowl commercials earlier this year. Yeah, two Super Bowl ads in our top five, I think, right? <laughs> that we yeah we yeah. Na- we yeah. named mm-hmm. the Groundhog Day uh, with Bill Murray. We named our number one uh, ad week's number one ad of the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, and then yeah, the Rocket Mortgage one with uh, I'm sorry, what's his name, the actor. Jason, Cal- Jason Momoa, Momoa. Cal Drogo. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I remember at the time I was like, these are really good. Who made these? Who the hell is high dive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, they've, they've kind of had like a wild year. I mean, they, yeah, they, they had these Super Bowl commercials. They had two Super Bowl commercials and they're really small. I think they have like 30 full-time employees and they do kind of flex. They have like a freelancer network that they tap into, but it, it is a pretty small operation. And, um, so yeah, they had a great start to the year. Their Super Bowl ads were both really popular. You know, both had famous people in them. Um, they both were in the top spots in the USA Today ad meter. Um, and part of me does kind of wonder, like, if this year wouldn't have taken such a weird turn if they would have seen even more momentum. Because I mean, they, you know, I remember in February, people kind of like you said, Grinder, everyone was like, who is this agency <laughs> like doing all this crazy work? So, um, but even so, they still managed to have have a good year um, and, and have some wins. And, and they did grow as well. I think their revenue was uh, up. They're projecting it to be up around 35%, I believe. So, so yeah, they, they had a good year. Wow. I mean, that's... if you peel it back, though, it, it's Mark Gross. So ad nerds like us that have been around for a while that have a certain tint to our hair. Um, th- th- Mark Gross has been around forever because he was at DDB Chicago for a very long mm-hmm. time. So anyone familiar with Real Men of Genius from Bud Light, that he led that. And so the, the chops of the shop, this is, you know, this is an overnight sensation that has been 
a decade plus in the making. So tell us a bit, like we feature them as our fastest growing agency of the year. So we probably talked about them uh, on the podcast at the time. But Minda, writing up this one, uh, what else did you learn about kind of where they're at? Uh, I feel like didn't they just have another big win? Yeah, they actually, so they won, um, they won the general, which I'm excited to see what they do with that. Cause I think everyone knows the general mascot, the general jingle. It's, um, you know, it's not like a huge, huge brand, but I think it's one of those brands that people definitely like, you know, you think of that jingle, you think of that mascot when you hear the name. And so I'm actually really curious to see what they do with that account. They just won it a few weeks ago, um, or they just announced it a few weeks ago, at least, um, and they also recently won some some work from a candy company called Profetti Van Mel, which I don't think anyone knows what that is, but um, they own Airheads, and, and which uh, you know is a brand a lot of people are familiar with. So they're going to be working with Airheads and, and launching um, Frutella, which is like a European candy brand that they're bringing to the U.S. So um, they're definitely going into 2021 with um, some momentum and some new clients. So uh, the uh, it's. It's hard to imagine launching an agency. I mean, of course, they launched it. What? It's like they're like two, three years old now. 2016. So four years ago. Yeah. Um, It's hard to imagine launching an agency, period. Uh, But to me, the lesson of this one is that if you've got the connections, um, you know, it's like Doug mentioned the, the veteran chops, I think is super important. But I mean, I think personally, it's like business suicide to, to launch an agency and not have really spectacular connections throughout the industry. Uh, because, man, clawing your way up from the bottom just sounds impossible, which is a shame because, you know, it's like I think we all like to imagine that you can just, you know, be a few years out of college and start a really creative shop and, and become one of the, the next great thing. I, I just I mean, you look at Droga 5, right? Followed the exact same pattern. Like the, they are mm-hmm. high dive is oh, like point. is on the trajectory of a Droga 5 where you have da- to to a lot of people. Uh, the name David Droger kind of appeared out of nowhere, but to to Zanger's point, um, people watching the industry knew the name David Droger, right? Um, because he had come over from uh, you know from Publicis and from these other uh, uh, you know agencies, and I think Saatchi, and he had been doing all this amazing work, but then went out on his own and suddenly became you know this star player, and it felt like it happened overnight. And that seems like it's what's happening with high dive. So it's it's like oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. On the, on the one hand, point. I feel bad that that's the way it has to work, but I feel like that's the way it has to work. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. And what's interesting, David, is that with all of the talent that's that's been scattered about over the the next year uh, or over the last year, rather, we're probably going to see a bunch of agencies that maybe a couple of few years from now, if we if we look at it. Breakthrough may be one of the more competitive categories that we see in the next couple of years, because if they follow certain blueprints of success, yet are able to put their own spin on it, they're just shops opening up left and right. And this this is going to be one hell of a category in the next few years. Well, it's such a it's the hardest one to debate each year because the definition, Mm -hmm. you know, is so it's a it's a hard one. And last year's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, YouTube, but it was uh, Johannes Leonardo last Mm -hmm. year. That's an agency that's been around They're They're upward of 10 years old. Um, and certainly they're well known, but they had just never had that breakthrough year until they won VW. And until they had like, they, I think they doubled in size in one year. It's so, it's so hard to see coming. I think, uh, a lot of us are watching gut, you know, I don't think that's any sort yeah. of big surprise to folks that that is an HC ensemble Ramos has been building and hiring up some of the best talent in the industry, but they, 
you know, I don't know how I, I hope he, I wouldn't hurt their feelings, but to say that they just haven't had that breakthrough year yet. Right. And I yeah. think if you see gut with two or three ads in the Super Bowl, <laughs> you're going to say, oh, okay, this is probably a breakthrough year for them. Um, but there's, there's quite a few other shops. I mean, you've got Greg Hahn really accomplished a lot this year with Mischief, uh, launching that after, after, you know, having to leave BBDO. Um, there's a, there's a lot of really good, uh, agencies kind of on the come up, but I, I hope that, that we'll also just see this period of chaos kind of j- upend things. I think it's worth noting that, you know, like I talked about that Martin Agency hasn't won U.S. since 2009. Uh, FCB has never won Global, hasn't won U.S. since, uh, since 1989. This year made for many different honorees and very different kind of, um, I don't know. It just really changed things, and I think that that's good. I think we needed an injection. Like, we don't like naming Wyden and Kennedy the Agency of the Year every year. No offense to them, but it gets a little bit. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't wonder here has something to say about that. Yeah, but like it doesn't. It doesn't inject any any f- livelihood or, or fresh blood into the conversation to just be like, yep, still this one. Um, I know what you mean, though. <laughs> yeah. So um, on that front, uh, we should move on uh, before we run out of time and make sure we get to talk about the International Agency of the Year. Again, this is the one that's not necessarily like a global network. Uh, they could be part of a global network. Uh, last year's winner was BETC, uh, the French agency, which had just a spectacular creative run and business run last year. Doug, who is this year's International Agency of the Year? Droga 5 London. Yeah. I would say this is like... I don't use this term lightly. This is a beloved shop within the industry. Like, no one hates Droga London. They're they're just so they're just so likable. And 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 you know, credit for that hundred percent really goes to David Colbush, the creative chief there. Uh Colbush is a um just an absolute uh kind of I, w- I don't want to say icon because he's not that guy. You know what I mean? I don't think he'd want you to call him an icon. Exactly. Either. Yeah. No, he's not like the luminary. I think he's probably uncomfortable with us talking about him like this. Yeah, probably. Right now, he probably he's listening right now and he's just like, he's, ah, he's very uncomfortable with just us. Pl- just play the Amazon ad. You just, <laughs> you know, that's um but uh no, like Kolbush uh, is just one of the most genuine uh truly truly bright creatives he has been in at this for so long uh if he is listening he'll know that of course i'm going to mention that he made one of my favorite ads of all time which is nanner puss the super bowl ad for denny's <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. um if you can google nanner puss if you're not aware of it but it, it is it holds a special place in my heart but you know david left uh widening kennedy new york uh which of course has um has also become a, a really iconic shop. And normally you would look back with regret on like, oh, this shop that I was at did really well. Uh, but Droga 5 London has also had just an incredible growth. Uh, David is Canadian, um, has worked at some of the biggest shops in America, went over to London. Droga's not, so So I should hand this off to you. Uh, Doug is obviously the person who wrote this article. I'm just being a, a ham on the microphone here. But no, uh, fine. Droga's not an international like they're not a global network yet. Uh, and so it feels like it's really important for them to get London right because they had to close their Australian office, which I know hurt David Droga as an Australian. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Hurt him quite a bit. Droga London's been their last holdout. Then they get bought by Accenture. And now they seem like they're on the eve of a big global expansion. And it feels like getting it right in London is key. Yeah, I, I think that what, you know, how to unpack this one. The Accenture Interactive deal 
there there's plenty of uh, armchair quarterbacks, us included, that will think that, oh, you know, it's consultancy now. They're going to lose all their creativity. And I put that elephant in the room with everybody on on the calls and discussing uh, discussing that in, you know, in this article. And I, I, I do believe that when they went into it, they basically told Accenture, you're not going to touch our creative culture. We will learn from you. You will learn from us. And I, I do believe that, yeah, I think that Accenture is learning some things along the way that they can really use um, to to expand, to your point, David, where they could do this regionally, they could do this by market. They, Accenture could do a lot of different things with this, but they have to make sure that that sensibility stays the way that it is. Um I just, you know, I, I think it's it's still TBD to to be perfectly honest. But <clears throat> I think it, you're right. If you if you get if you get London right, if you get New York right, um, then you're building something that um, that retains that culture. Because you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Is we talk a lot about this business, but f- for whatever reason, the conversation around creativity, I don't want to say it's its languishing, but it's not nearly as forward as it has been in the past. We've been talking a lot about operations. We've been talking a lot about leadership. We have deservedly been talking about diversity, equality, and inclusion. But I think that one of the superpowers of any agency is their creative output. And what Droga 5 London does is they, I don't want to say that they have a system per se, but they have a philosophy and humor is part, a big part of that philosophy. And you see that in the output. And Colbush was saying that they want it to be witty. They don't want it to be ha ha knee slapping kind of funny. They want it to be erudite, elegant, and something that people can look at and say, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. So they're hitting on a formula that seems to work. And I think especially now, having a little bit of escapism in the form of humor, even wrapping it into something that may be pandemic-centric like they did with Barclay Card um, and, and the work that they did there, they're, they're hitting on something. They're, really, they're, they're, they're doing things. And they, some of them are home runs. Some of them are a little more, you know, they're a little quieter. But it's it's a good combination. And, you know, David, you and I have talked about this too. An agency like Mother in London, similar kind of vibe where it's just, you know, doing something that's different and humor is part of it. And just taking a different take on how to, you know, how to market a brand, that's a big differentiator. And I think that that's something that'll serve Droga well. And I think it'll, writ large, serve Accenture Interactive really well. I, I feel like what I'm most excited about talking about this category is that we finally get to talk about creative because uh, we really haven't in the three other categories. Uh, we had uh, before Alexa, Super Bowl ad that folks might have seen. Uh, this is kind of picking up the torch from another London agency, Lucky Generals, which had had Amazon ads in the Super Bowl for the last few years. Uh, and then Droga 5 London swoops in, has before Alexa, which let's go back and revisit that spot. This is with Ellen DeGeneres and Portia Rossi. And then it kicks off a whole series of vignettes about the history of life before voice-activated devices. Let's listen to a little of that to remember, because Super Bowl feels like it was 17,000 years ago. So let's revisit it. Baby! Coming! Alexa, turn down the thermostat. Okay, turning down thermostat. Ready. People did before Alexa. Alexa, turn the temperature down two degrees. 
Thank you, dear. Alexei, tell me a joke. Jokes. Um. God, you think I know lies? Look at me. <laughs> Next. News. Get your news here. Alex, what's today's news? Doesn't matter. It's all fake. <laughs> <laughs> Al, play that song I like. Al, next song. Alexei, tell us something interesting. Okay, the earth is flat, and a witch stole his pants. Minda, what did you uh, what did you think about that spot? I, I, I loved it. Uh, it seems <laughs> it seems so long ago since it first came out. Um, but yeah, I thought it I thought it was really clever. I feel like like I, I want medieval references to be in every Super Bowl now. We had <laughs> Joust uh, from Droga 5 and Widening Kennedy the year before, and then we had this mm-hmm. one. Um, but the Droga 5 London had so many, so many great ads this year. Uh, they continue to work with the most surprising brand uh, to me on the landscape, which is uh, – What's it called? Rustlers, right? Rustlers. Frozen burgers. Mi- yep. Frozen microwavable. burgers and subs. Microwavable, yeah, microwavable burgers and sandwiches. Yes. And they do just, I mean, all their ads have been good. Some have been a little more self-indulgent than others, like when they put on an entire play about it, like an entire experimental play about the history well, it just of the tells you what the margins are on that product then that they have enough to do that type of stuff <laughs> or or how much the agency is willing to just cover its own costs the uh but yeah no it's so that this year they had really great ads making fun of like um high school there was one about a dance fight in a high school um and just yeah, it's I, really funny there it's 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 all good work what else do they do uh, uh creative wise this year i mean oh, what, what was the really weird one with like app? the yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me of that one. Yeah, so setup it was. Uh, it, so setup is essentially uh, apps, uh, produ- productivity apps, and the premise of the the spot was if if you don't finish something, then bad things happen. So it's it's somebody. Um, not a psychologist, but a hypnotist that uh, trying to get somebody to quit some sort of habit, and then doesn't get to the point where he wakes up. And so there are all these funny scenarios about uh, not finishing a task can lead to dire consequences. And so it's yeah, like it's, a, like a hypnotist. It's very the guy, British. Yeah. It's like you're a British, snake. Absurd. Like, right. He tells the guy you're a snake and then he, and he gets distracted and he doesn't, he doesn't wake him back up. And so the dude just ends up living as, as a snake. Yeah. Yeah. For very the rest absurd. Of <laughs> very British. Yes. Yeah. Very British. Yeah. It was very um, good though. Well, definitely check out. Uh, well, th- we should talk financials because again, that was really the the the, yep. th- the separation for all four of our winners from much of their peers. Uh, Droga Five London had a pretty good year, right? Yeah, they grew fifteen uh, percent. So, you know, anything moving upward, <laughs> going up in the elevator as opposed to going down in the elevator is good, and to be double digit is uh, is a bonus. So they did well. Well, uh, congratulations to all four. Uh, of our agencies of the year. You can learn so much more about them on adweek.com in stories by Minda, by Doug, by Eric Oster. Uh, and uh, check it out. Let you watch, revisit the ads and um, get a lot more detail than we got to go into today. 
Uh, we'd love to hear who your agencies of the year were. Uh, you didn't have to plow through all sorts of spreadsheets and stuff, so you probably have a much more visceral take. Um, so please uh, d- drop us a note at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. And we'd love to hear who really stood out to you this year. Uh, and just, uh, again, big congrats to those agencies. Uh, just... You know, it was a, a year that tested all of us um, in so many ways. And I think to actually succeed as a business, to take care of your people, uh, to stay focused on diversity uh, and give it the, the respect it deserves, all of those things in a year of just absolutely dire financial uh, straits is uh, is really something to be proud of. So congrats to all them. And uh, congrats to both of you, Minda and Doug and Eric, who couldn't be here today. Uh you guys have put in such a tremendous amount of work. So thank you for all of your time and effort uh, assembling these stories and being here today. Our Thanks. pleasure. All right. Well, we're out of time. Uh, our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by me, David Kreiner, and edited by Lane McGibbony. Uh, like I said before, you can reach us at podcast at adweek.com. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. 